0: To the TMG Media Podcast. NFL Week One of the Playoffs Preview. Before I get started on the playoff predictions, I wanted to talk about some of the coaching movement in the NFL at the end of the season. Some of it is noteworthy and some of it isn't. For example, the Falcons letting go of Arthur Smith after three years. I think that's justifiable. I mean, he had a 7-10 and record all three seasons. And, I mean, that was pretty good patience shown by Arthur Blank, in my opinion. I don't really get the Mike Vrabel firing, but it's probably good for Mike Vrabel. He's going to end up getting a better job out of it. But the one that really bothers me is Frank Reich being let go in the season for the Panthers. This guy was brought in to groom young quarterbacks. They draft a quarterback, Bryce Young out of Alabama, with the first overall pick. They bring in Frank Reich, who's a quarterback whisperer supposedly, to teach the kid. And the owner, David Tepper, a hedge fund company owner, gives him 10 months after the hiring and lets him go. Like I don't know what he was expecting to see. It's the first season. I mean, in 89 with Jimmy Johnson and Troy Aikman, they won one game. And I think Troy Aikman wasn't even starting that game because he was hurt. Steve Walsh started it. So even Jerry Jones, of all people, had more patience than this guy and let things marinate and see what would happen. The Panthers also this season let DJ Moore and a first overall pick now be traded to the Bears, and Christian McCaffrey, he approved that trade to go to the 49ers, probably the best running back in the league. This just goes to show you, no matter how much talent you have in any walk of life, whatever business you're in, if the upper management is inept, you will never reach your potential. And I feel bad for Bryce Young, because as long as he's there and David Tepper owns that football team he will never fulfill whatever his potential may be and we will never know what that potential is now to the good stuff week one of the nfl playoffs 2024 it starts off with browns at texans just to be fair and transparent I'm recording this after the game has started, the first game of the weekend, but I have not looked at the score or any of the game. Cleveland is a a one-and-a-half point favorite, and the over-under is 44.5. It's the only team that's a favorite who is on the road. This game, in my opinion, comes down to the Browns' defense, which is elite, against the Texans' offense which has really shown some flashes, especially with CJ Stroud under center. I'll be the first to admit the hiring of D'Amico Ryans, I didn't know if it would work because I just think the league has turned so offensive and his background is defensive. Nevertheless, it was the right hire, and I will say that I was wrong, but he is the right fit for the team. He brings the right culture, he has history there, and from all I've seen, all the players really love to play for him and respect him. And C.J. Stroud is the first Ohio State quarterback to look like he's the real deal. This guy is a franchise player who's going to be great for a long time. The Browns, though, have a stout defense, so this is going to be a big challenge, but the Texans have a much better chance playing in Houston than playing in Cleveland. This one's a hard one to call, but obviously this game's going to come down to C.J. Stroud versus the Browns' defense. If he can overcome the different coverages he sees, and all Miles Garrett coming off the edge, and that high-level secondary, I do think the Texans have a chance. I would take the under on the 44.5, though, because I think Joe Flacco, even though he has been great since he came in, is going to give up some turnovers. He has done it even during this run. He has shown flashes of brilliance, and he has looked good, especially throwing the ball to the tight end and Joku. But he's going to turn it over at least once or twice in a critical moment. I'm taking the Texans to win at home against Cleveland. Next is the Dolphins at Chiefs. Kansas City is a four-point favorite with a 44.5 over-under. I pretty much think the Dolphins have close to zero chance to win this game. I think the temperature is going to be around negative 8 wind chill. These guys from Miami, regardless of where they were born, I'm sure a lot of them were born in the South anyway, but they've been living in Miami, and they have no possible way to be able to prepare for those kind of temperatures. That's not just cold. That's a different level of cold. They also don't run the ball enough, even in a good climate, in my opinion. They get way too pass-happy, and that form of offense is just not going to work in these conditions kansas city has one of the best home crowds in the entire league and even though kansas city has had a somewhat down year i'm going to take andy Reid and pat mahomes over almost anybody in that situation next we have the steelers at the bills another horrible weather game both of these teams though Our cold weather games. I think the Steelers actually have a chance. Buffalo's favored in this game by 9.5 with a 34.5 over under. I think the Steelers are going to make this a game. I would definitely take the points with the Steelers, even though I think Buffalo will squeak it out, but it will be way less than 9.5 points. The Steelers have shown a lot of resiliency under Mike Tomlin. And to go back to what we were talking about earlier, with any type of consistency in a management level at the head coaching and GM level, the Steelers are the exact opposite of the Panthers, who have had three coaches in around 50 years, and all of them have won at least one Super Bowl. That's how you run an NFL franchise. And David Tepper should look to the Rooney's to understand how to move forward and build a team that will last for decades. So, again, I'm taking the Bills over the Steelers. I'll take the under in the 34.5 because of the weather. Packers at Cowboys. Full disclosure, I was born and raised in Dallas, and I'm a Cowboy fan. But I do think this could end up being a game Or a Cowboy blowout. I don't think the Packers are going to blow them out. The Cowboys have won 16 straight games at home. And they've put up 35 points in those games on average. Little known fact, I almost guarantee nobody knows that the top two passing TD leaders in the entire NFL are in this game. Dak Prescott is first and Jordan Love is second. Jordan Love really had a great second half of the season. And so I'm sure the Cowboys are a little bit scared. I know their fans are, especially of the recent history of playing the Packers in the playoffs or in the regular season under the Aaron Rodgers era. I will say during the Brett Favre era, the Cowboys dominated the Packers. So maybe it's the Cowboys' time. Dallas is favored by a touchdown, 7, and the over-under is 50.5. I'll take the Cowboys, but I wouldn't take that bet at seven. This could easily be a three- or six-point game. Like I said, it could end up being a blowout, but the Packers can score. So I wouldn't take that. Next, we have the Rams at the Lions. Detroit finally makes the playoff, and then the worst possible thing could happen. Matt Stafford comes to town to try to ruin their dreams. The Rams really turned it around in the second half of the season, and Matt Stafford has looked really good. They have great coaching in Sean McVay. They're playing indoor, which I never understood why Detroit wouldn't have an outdoor stadium to be able to exploit these cold-weather games. But nevertheless, that's another thing that plays right into the Rams' hands. They have, the Rams are a three-point favorite, and there's a 51.5 point over-under. I would take the Rams in this game, because Detroit's favored by three, and I would take the over and the over under. I just have a bad feeling that the Lions are gonna end up having their worst nightmare happen and have Matt Stafford come in and ruin their party. I like Dan Campbell, but I think Sean is a better coach. He has a Super Bowl win. He's been a great coach for a long time. I don't see the Lions being able to overcome the Rams. And then last but definitely least, we have on Monday night the Eagles at the Bucks. Nobody knows what has happened to the Eagles at the end of this season, but they have not looked the same as they did last year and for the first half to 65% of this season. There's a possibility that Jalen Hurts is nursing some kind of injury that we don't know of because he just doesn't look the same, and there's no other real explanation for that. However, they got kind of lucky getting to play at Tampa Bay, who's only playing a home game because they won the NFC South, which is god-awful. Philly's a three-point favorite with a 43.5 over-under. I would take the Eagles to win this game. Tampa is not notoriously that great of a home field advantage. And I just think the Eagles can figure it out enough to get past this team. Baker Mayfield is a serviceable quarterback. He gets dogged on a lot because he was a first overall pick, which he shouldn't have been. But he's still a good quarterback. He just lives with the stigma of having to be the first overall pick, so people hold him to that expectation level. But he's still a team that can help lead you to a win. So if he gets hot and the Eagles get down early, they're going to start feeling what they felt the last couple weeks, and everything's going to fall apart. So this is the most dangerous bet, in my opinion. If I have to choose, I'll take the Eagles with, with the three points. But... I wouldn't bet my house on it. In the final segment, I want to talk about some Major League Baseball hot stove, which there isn't much to speak of unless you're talking about the Los Angeles Dodgers. A lot of people are upset about the deferred money that a lot of players are doing with this team to help the Dodgers be able to stay closer to the luxury tax. It's within the rules, but I get it. But... One thing that a lot of people really aren't talking about is that I think it's smart from the player's perspective. You're getting paid now, but then you're securing up money, in Shohei Otani's case, a large amount of money for once he's at the tail end of his career and or retired. So he's going to be 40 years old and making money from the Dodgers like he's in the prime of his career. I think that's a great business decision by the player. But not a lot of players have that level of understanding or patience to be able to do something like that. Most people want their money now. But he can also afford to do it because he gets so much endorsement money that he gets right now. I don't think the Dodgers are guaranteed to win the World Series like a lot of people seem to think. We've seen a lot of these super teams put together, and it doesn't mean that they're just going to dominate. There's a lot of things that can happen in a 162-game season, and I still don't see a lot of depth there. I mean, they have great players, but if any of them go down and there's still holes at shortstop and a few other places, I don't think it's a guarantee. And the Dodgers have shown a lot of choking in recent years, namely last year, for one, losing to the Diamondbacks, in the first round, or second round, and blaming it on their time off. The Astros seem to have no problem when they have time off of coming out and winning. So I think that's weak, and I think the Dodgers need to learn from what happened and stop blaming time off on losing to inferior opponents. The rest of the league seems to be waiting until spring training to sign anybody. I mean, I've seen almost... No major signings. The Rangers, for one, the defending champions, have picked up a couple small-time utility guys, but nobody's going out after the big guys. I think, even though he's 40, going after Joey Votto for a lot of these teams to be a platoon player and or DH with his charisma and his ability to bring a clubhouse together. And I mean... In a limited role, he could easily still have a great season and hit 300 and, you know, hit about 20 to 25 home runs and drive in somewhere between 75 and 90 runs. So I would definitely take a flyer on that guy. He will come in, be part of the team, and bring everybody together, which is invaluable. Other than that... There have been really no major movement in baseball, so hopefully they can get that going together. And that's part of their marketing problem that I think the Major League Baseball has had for years is that they can't figure out, like the NFL and the NBA, how to promote their players and promote their games during season. But the NFL and NBA have figured out how to promote their off-seasons and make news when games aren't even going. Baseball seems to have a hard time even promoting their game during the season. So that's one thing they do need to figure out. They need to chill out with all the rule changes. I do like the pitch clock. It does help. I mean, I have young children. I like that the games don't take three and a half to four hours, you know, on a nightly basis. You'll run into a flyer that still does. but The average game time is way down. So, I can actually watch my team on weeknights and not go to bed at midnight. So, I definitely think that was a good idea. But I don't see any need to bring it down anymore like they're going to do this year. I mean, everything seemed to improve well enough to me. I don't like the limited throw overs by the pitcher on pickoff moves. That's an unfair advantage to base stealers. We already made the bases bigger, which at first I didn't like, but I came around to it. I think it's a safety thing. It helps prevent injuries, and it does promote base stealers to steal a little bit more because it's you know an inch or two closer, which we've seen many times. It's a game of inches, and it could come down to an inch or two whether you're safe or out. But letting a real base stealer know that the pitcher can't throw back over is borderline cheating. It's not fair. They should be able to throw over as often as they can. It's not going to slow the game down that much. There's an old baseball adage anyway that says speed slows the game down, which is true. As soon as a great base dealer like Ricky Henderson or Lou Brock or whoever you want to bring up, gets on base, all of a sudden everything slows down and becomes more of a chess match. And so in my opinion, you shouldn't take that away from baseball. That's just my opinion on it. I hope everyone has a great day and enjoys the NFL playoffs. I'll see you next week.